Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetta! Yay! And we've got a great episode for you. We're back. We re-recorded Heaven's Gate Part 4. Part 4. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great episode. Uh, full fucking spoiler alert. Everyone dies. Everyone dies. A lot of people die. Um, it is kind of a bummer. We do our best to try and make it good. And I do want to say this is not a full-time bummer episode. There's a lot of really good riffs and also some awesome discussion going on uh, throughout the entirety of the episode. And before we go any further, we've got some news and reviews. Uh, so let's start with uh, the news. We have a Patreon now. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yes. Last week when we needed, um, I know it sounds like a ploy that like we we posted it like as advertising, but it's I cannot express how upset it made us that we had to re-record this episode. Oh yeah. It was a rough episode. Yeah. It's um we we needed to re-record the episode. We didn't want to release nothing, so we released that episode, and uh, we're really glad that so many of you liked it and if you subscribe to our patreon all of our patreon members will get bonus content every other week a speculation zone episode that'll come out um and uh it's stuff like we did last week where it's interviews about people's experiences but also some episodes that are basically just like mini versions of our own show and sometimes basically just bonus full episodes i think the one that's coming out this week is the same length as a regular episode yeah for sure um and you can find out more information about rewards and how to sign up for patreon by going to patreon.com slash cult podcast or by going to cultpodcastshow.com slash patreon join our cult yes be a part of it secondly we have a new live show it's at geeky teas and games in burbank August. On August 27th, mm-hmm. there will be cats, there will be cake, there will be sweet cults. The, tr- yeah. the three C's. <laughs> it's it's our anniversary. Please come yeah. out. Yeah, two years, 7.30 uh, p.m. That's when the show is. Tickets are $10. You can get those online at cultpodcastshow.com slash Burbank. You can also go there to find uh, like a clip of what our live shows are like. We've got a little clip up there from our uh, Kansas City one. It's, uh, it's a real good time, and I really hope to see you all there. Um, now let's get on to some five star reviews. <laughs> I got two short ones, short ones here for you. This is uh, <laughs> this one comes to us from M to the D to the P. Nice. And uh, the title is just says shirtless saxophonist. Yeah. What? And the, the entire comment is just uh, the female sign. That's it. You know, the circle with the little T hanging I mean, off of it? thank you. Shirtless saxophonist. Is this referring to the Lost Boys? Or did we have another shirtless saxophonist? I have no... I got no idea. Was I'm this excited. review helpful? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm voting for. I'm confused more than anything, and I feel like that's a good representation of our show. Me too, me too, me too. Uh, this next one, real quick, comes to us from Carly MC, and it says, I drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, they say the perfect podcast for simple gator lawyers, girlfriend cows, and spiders who love colts. Thank you so much, Carly MC. We love you so much. And uh, without any further ado, let's get into the show. Don't drink the cool. 
the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andre Gazetta. Yay! And it's Heaven's Gate Part 4 again. (laughs) Re-recording, baby. Yeah. (laughs) We had a technical issue uh, where we lost the episode and it was like at a certain point where we were all just like, we can't re-record it because I've just heard it. And it's... uh, I'm going to say the ending is a bit of an emotional roller coaster. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens. It's just a real big bummer. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm the, man, spoiler alert, guys, but Heaven's Gate does not end well. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I think one of my favorite things is not favorite. Favorite's the wrong word. For sure. Uh, But when the episode, when we realized we had lost the episode, everyone's face just instant it was just this like (laughs) like we'd broken our sanity where we were just like we just spent two hours crying and now it's gone that's what it is is crying is so emotionally taxing i was like i can't do it again and we hadn't eaten so it was just like i'm crying and hungry and i can't do it anymore the only way that i could cheer up andrea was by taking her to a red lobster i was gonna ask if you guys went to that breakfast restaurant <laughs> we went to Red Lobster. Both did not feel good later. Yeah. <laughs> we went to Red Lobster and I said the phrase, huh, I remembered this place being a lot fancier when I was a kid. No. <laughs> I no. mean, it's fancy enough for Beyonce. That's fair. I it's I don't know. Red Lobster's weird because like, oh, one of the most heartbreaking things too is they bring you so they bring you cheesy biscuits. Wonderful. And they're amazing. And I've been talking with this whole time about how excited I am for the biscuits. And I realized that every time I bring up the biscuits, Andrea will just be like, Yeah, and then try and change the subject. And by the time we get there, <laughs> what happens is I'm like, Oh, I'm so excited for these biscuits. Do they not have the biscuits anymore? No, so they're about to bring them out and Andrea just goes Hey, I got a level with you. Um, I'm not, not a big fan of the biscuits. See, that's when you get excited because you're just like, more for me. Yeah, he I was super. So I'm going to eat all of these biscuits. I'm going to be a biscuit king. And I just, I, I'm, it was, I don't know. It was just very funny to me how she was like, it was, she didn't want to bring it up. Like, I didn't want to hurt his feelings about how I felt about the biscuits. No, I don't. Because he was so into them and it was so cute. It was so much, it was better news because what you were telling me was, hey, Armando, have all the biscuits. <laughs> and then, I don't know if you know this or not, but here's a little pro tip from me to you is that you can ask for a biscuit to-go bag and they will give you a to-go Second bag. Second order of biscuits only to go yeah see i hate seafood uh-huh which Re- is why what? I yeah i i don't do seafood uh which is why i don't go to red lobster but i do love those cheesy biscuits i it's almost worth it to me <laughs> to get the take-home <laughs> bag of cheesy biscuits just be, like pretend to lick some shrimp or they, they you can go you steak. can get steak yeah. oh, okay there and you we can go get cheesy biscuits to go that yeah. sounds great 
The worst part, though, is like everything. But you might have to be part of a, an adult's 30-person birthday party. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> we were there. At, we were at a family that I don't I don't know if they were rich or mob-related. But what <laughs> happened. Mob people don't eat at Red Lobster. Mob people eat where Jake and I ate that night at, like, a secret family Italian restaurant somebody told us about. Oh, I don't mean, I don't mean like, old mafia. I mean, like owns 10 cell phone stores as a front <laughs> mob ukrainian mafia yeah i'm sorry that was wildly specific so they <laughs> what happened apartment building in hollywood <laughs> <laughs> what happened is uh basically anytime a waiter would come over and do something and one of the several older gentlemen who were like young enough to be spry about standing up but old enough that all of their hairs were gray Okay. Uh, and so they would get up and just take out a wad of cash. And I watched this several times as they would go, hold on. Here you go. And then just give them a tip <laughs> or something. They One time I watched a lady get a tip for bringing forks. <laughs> I And so we like this happened. Like, you realize she has to do that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. How are you going to eat this other one? Well, okay. They had finished their meal. They were just letting their kids run around. The kids by are the just way. like oh, running God, around. And that. we're like in the thing where it's like kind of a separate room but not separate enough yeah no, there's they- <laughs> there's so it's like there's a party happening in this room okay and then there's also booths on the edge of this room yeah okay. and there's me and armando in one booth and then a woman who's complaining about her fish being overcooked which i'm like it's, it's a red fishy. lobster you yeah. want it to be overcooked yeah, so trust. you don't get sick exactly and so then we're just both like can you sit us literally in the hundreds of empty booths <laughs> not in this birthday yeah. party because we're literally there is a party <laughs> happening and everyone else is just <laughs> surrounding the party and there's just children running and we're just yeah. like could we please eat somewhere where there's not a party this is this is my nightmare <laughs> yeah so we straight up like really when, they, funny. when the waitress came we were just like can we move and then she was like sure and then I, yeah it was just a fucking ordeal so yeah the only good part about the entire situation was cheesy biscuits we ordered an appetizer that was seafood stuffed mushrooms that were very clearly microwaved um it was a whole ordeal. Peach's face. Yeah. Yeah. It no, was bad. It, was, it was terrible. I forgot. I when I was a kid, Red Lobster was the epitome of like, this is a success meal. Like you did something to deserve Red Lobster. Yeah. And now when I went to Red Lobster, the thought in my head was like, what did I do to deserve this? I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've ever actually been inside a Red Lobster. It's the only way I've had cheesy biscuits is because they sell the mix at the store. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, if you've never been inside a Red Lobster, I will describe uh, the sensation for you, which is, it is basically just the crusty crab, but on land. No, okay, no. it's a fishy chilies. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fishy chilies, and I feel like what their slogan should be was Red Lobster, stickier than you th- remember. No, <laughs> so I guess what we're saying is. We're hoping that this episode turns out better than the last one. Yeah. Or else we're, if, we're just going to regular chilies this time, though. Yeah. Because yes. yeah. if, ch- if I have to go to a Red Lobster again, I'm going to have diarrhea for the second time. <laughs> I mean, if we go to Chili's, everything in my stomach is going to Irish goodbye as normal. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Oh, my God. I love it. All right. So I'm. I'm it, <laughs> yeah, because it leaves without telling you. Is it also green? <laughs> um, I mean, it depends on what you eat. Oh, God. 
you want to be about that salad life, then yes. Oh, man. Green poop is never an indicator of eating anything healthy, at least in my experience. All right. Mountain Dew, baby. Okay. You guys ready for Heaven's Gate Part 4? Green, not glow in the dark. Yes. I am ready for Heaven's Gate Part 4. All right, before we hop into this episode, I want to give our sources for the last episode. Um, so a majority of our sources are going to be uh, the same main sources that we've had for the entire series. First and foremost, the book Heaven's Gate, America's UFO Religion by Benjamin Zeller. This is a fantastic book that looks at uh, the, the beliefs of the group, as well as the ways that their beliefs kind of shaped their daily routines and the way that the group inevitably ends. There's also uh, the documentary Heaven's Gate, The Untold Story, which is a really good look at what it was like to live inside of the cult because they use a lot of uh, home footage. Then we have the article Eyes on Glory, Pied Pipers of Heaven's Gate by Barry Barrick. And then, uh, finally, we have a few posts and forums from the website soulcollector.com. And that's S-O-L-E, collector. Oh, no. I forgot about this. And for a second, I was like, is that that video game with the giant rectangular swords? But no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's just hop into it. Last week, we covered, or I guess. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago, it was supposed to be last week. <laughs> two weeks ago, we covered the diaspora period of Heaven's Gate and Nancy Brown's journey to find her son and reestablish contact between members and their families. But what these outsiders never saw was the immense amount of change that was happening inside of the group constantly. We ended part three with Bonnie Nettles passing away, but to understand the ending of Heaven's Gate, we have to rewind the tape a little bit. So that you can get kind of a full picture, which is great because now this episode, at least the beginning of it anyway, serves as kind of like a recap for the last three episodes. For about two years, from 1974 to 1976, the group had its members spread out across the country. With just $50 from the group's pooled money, pairs of followers trekked across the country trying to recruit members and overcome their human attachments along the way. (laughs) We on a road trip trying not to fuck. (laughs) I feel like almost every road trip is based in fucking at some point. I feel like every every road trip has an intention to fuck, but then it ends up being just like, I've got to go to the bathroom. I fucking hate fish. Stop playing it. Just like. (laughs) Oh, I thought this was a continuation of why you hate Red Lobster. No, no, no. I meant fish with a ph boy uh, you just hate any kind of sea creature i mean for the most part they're fun in aquariums that's fine i also like how it sounds like the tagline for the next hit reality show where it's just like uh the trek to recruit members and overcome yourself along the way <laughs> this summer real cult members of hot lana <laughs> keep your hands or we can all see them. <laughs> <laughs> But on April 21st, 1976, the two called everyone back. The harvest was closed. Recruitment was over, and now everyone needed to come together to prepare for the incoming spacecraft. Yep. We're just going to park it in the garage. We'll move the van out, and then you can park on the street, and then we've got the tandem parking, and the spaceship can be there. It really is. They're, pre- they're preparing for the world's biggest road trip. That's yeah. really... <laughs> What they're preparing for. And I don't know if you've ever had to parallel park a spaceship in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. It's crazy. It's terrible. Road trip, 
where we're going, we won't need roads. <laughs> or fucking. <laughs> but only about 88 members made their way to the group's campsite in a secluded Wyoming forest. And what those 88 found was drastically different from the group that they'd been in for the last few years. The group was run like the crew of a ship. The era of relaxed rules and little to no daily routine was over. Contact with the outside world was limited. The group needed to stick together at all times. And if you were in the group, you needed to be fully committed. You needed to live life by the book. And in this case, a literal book called the Procedures Book. It was reportedly about as thick as a phone book. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> like, yeah. All the way off. Are you like, how could you fill a book with that many directions on just how to do shit? So it's just rules? It's yeah, rules. That's the whole thing. There's no directions to space. It's just rules. No. No, <laughs> no it's no. a book as Remember thick as a. F- they're waiting to be picked up because they can't drive spaceships. So they're no. just your friend that always has to take the bus. They don't have a spaceship license, which is what they only sell at gas stations along uh, Arizona highways. <laughs> Secondly, the term as thick as a phone book is my new compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, you looking thick as a phone book. Damn. I'm about to waste lots of postage on you. Am I right? (laughs) This was early 2005. You'd get this compliment. What's up? (laughs) We are killing the rainforest. (laughs) We are killing the rainforest, but I got some more wood for you. (laughs) I was picturing a guy trying to be like, I'm going to tear that ass up, but it might take me a couple tries. Hey, girl, I'm going to tear that ass up, but I'm going to have to tear it up from the inside and then make it look like I tore it up at the end. (laughs) And while I do it, I'm going to make this noise. Hot. (laughs) So hot. Runs, bitch. (laughs) It's like a tennis match up in here. (laughs) Except there's no love. Uh, There we go. So the procedures book covered the correct way to do everything. And I mean everything. It it, it covered which direction you were supposed to pull a razor while shaving to the proper circumference of a pancake. What What was the pancake circumference? I don't know. I wish I knew. I would say... In my opinion, um, seven inch. inches. Yeah, I was going to say seven okay. to eight All inches. All right. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a size queen. <laughs> 20 is pancakes. Yeah, because whenever like, you Hey, go, look, like, it's fine if you have a silver dollar as long as you yeah. know how to use the syrup. Yeah. yeah, if the batter is good, then size isn't, isn't important. I just, I, I hop there like 10 inches almost, oh, yeah. like 9 to 10, and it's just it's too, too much big. pancake. Mm-hmm. I agree. But Sometimes a pancake like, is too big. <laughs> I like the bite-sized ones because they hold more syrup and they don't get... Yeah. Like the flavor is nice and the crispiness on the edges. I mean, that's cool that you say that. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate it. I just can't stand the big ones with no flavor. (laughs) I'm actually more of a waffle person. Yeah. The silver dollar pancakes, they got to work harder, baby. They do. They do. They They out here trying their best. There's more of them. Competition. Uh, yeah, the book covered literally everything. It also covered stuff that we've covered before, which is like the proper amount of toothpaste that you were supposed to use. So there is like precedence for this. By the way, the proper amount is two beer bongs full. <laughs> uh, I, I was just picturing somebody squeezing a whole tube because they're like, it says serving size. Oh, one. God. <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> oh god. <laughs> the perfect serving size of toothpaste is a uh, 7-inch circumference. <laughs> <laughs> like a patty of toothpaste. Oh my god. You just take bites out of it. Oh no. <laughs> if it was in the book, it was part of your new routine. And this meant Everything that you did now had an extra little step to it. Are you leaving the house? Well, then you have to get issued $5 in spending money and a quarter for a phone call. Do you need new clothes? You also have to get them issued to you because in order to make laundry easier, all of the clothing was shared between members and that included communal underwear. I forgot about this until now and it enrages me again. (laughs) Yes. It's so upsetting. As a person of size, this is my nightmare. If you, God, I wish we were sponsored by MeUndies so I could like (laughs) throw in a fucking segue here, but I can't. No, I just like, go get comfortable underwear for you. It will change your entire life. Or you could just free ball forever. I'm just saying. Yeah, dude, do it. Fucking go for it. I don't mind. free. <laughs> Real quick, when I was in high school one time, I was doing a speech in English class, and uh, at one at one point, I was saying something, and no one was on board. And what I meant to say was, "I'm just spitballing here, guys." But what I did say, <laughs> "I'm just freeballing here, guys." And my English teacher went, "Ugh." <laughs> and that memory has stuck with me forever. I will do you one better. Uh... I went to a, a Christian high school, and so you had Bible class, and there's a girl in Bible class who had to write about this one verse uh, that talks about a circumcision of the heart, which is basically like removing the bad things out of your, you know, spiritual life, essentially. Yeah. Um, but she confused the word circumcision with circumstances. Oh, no. And so she was like, we all have different circumcisions that we have to walk through in our lives. And we were like, <laughs> what? <laughs> And then in the same speech was just like, what attracts us to celebrities? Is it their their fancy lifestyles and their beautiful armoires? And we were like, giant, giant places to keep clothes. And she was just like, no, you know that French word for I don't know what? And we were like, je ne sais quoi. And she was just like, no, that's not it. And I was like, oh, man. Does she mean Ara? I I, I don't know. I I hope she could get work with the government or something. Because it was just, it was a whole mess of confusion. What attracts us to celebrities? Is it their armoires and shifa robes? (laughs) Shifa robes. But yeah, we all have different circumcisions that we walk through in our lives. Like, you might have one circumcision and they might have another circumcision. I was like, I would hope it wouldn't be the same. My favorite thing about the Bible is that they're called verses, which is what you call of uh, hip hop mm-hmm. hip hop breakdowns. So every time somebody's like, "Yeah, it covered this verse," I just think of just like, "Yo, it's God, <laughs> motherfucker! What's up? <laughs> time to cut them dicks off, circumcise the bitches, and <laughs> we all go through different circumcisions. <laughs> what you know about my arm, war, bitch?" <laughs> A total circumcision of the heart. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) And while a lot of these rules were meant to make things more convenient or to take the choice out of most circumcisions, uh, they they didn't always make things easier. Bonnie and Herf were constantly receiving messages from the next level, which meant that they were always adding to their teachings. For example, the official diet of Heaven's Gate. At first, they picked a vegetarian diet. 
Then, oh which, god, I forgot they're so all or nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah. like the vegetarian diet because you have to imagine uh, those her... farts going through the communal underwear. Oh, for sure, <laughs> so much fiber. Is the dietary part of the handbook just sketchbook paper so they can <laughs> just erase? Yeah, just a legal pad. Yeah, tear out and write new ones. Well, a lot of the procedures book is toilet paper uh, for the... <laughs> it's the whole last half. It's yeah. just like the notes part of a journal. Well, it's a, because they ate all vegetables and they sat on the toilet for two hours and they were like, I got to change this and just wrote it on <laughs> toilet paper. But also, can you imagine her standing in front of a camera and just being like, the planet Earth is about to be recycled into this kale salad. Hooray! Really quick, I do have a question. Where did Herf and Bonnie say, like, how did they say they were receiving these transmissions? So if you remember uh, from episode one, I believe, or part one of the series, Bonnie used to be um, a channeler. So she would channel... Uh, spirits from the beyond and this this is this was a mix of her ideas about the occult in general and also theosophy because not only was she contacting spirits from beyond the grave because remember she contacted like a franciscan monk and also marilyn monroe because to her those two people are equal importance but she would also contact aliens from the from theosophy's version of the next level okay so this was something that they used to their advantage where they were like, uh, what she thought was that she was contacting spirits and aliens from the beyond. But what was actually happening the whole time was she was receiving messages from the next level. And that's the tough thing about channeling, because sometimes you get like stuck on Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> Or HGTV for just weeks. Oh, God. I know. Uh, (laughs) So after they used the vegetarian diet, they switched to an all-pasta diet. Horrible. (laughs) As someone who loves pasta, no. I also... the Okay. The diet was clear that it was all pasta. Does that mean no sauce? Oh, oh no. God. Are they just eating a boiled carbs? See, I was I was imagining some sort of create your own never ending possible scenario. Right, right, right. See, that is my heaven. That's my next level. I, I I fully get you, but I feel like I would only last about two days and oh, then yeah. I would be like, I never want to eat pasta again. Yeah. It would ruin pasta for me. It, it's but yeah that's what i mean it's like i don't know if it meant literally all pasta which sounds believable right because they i mean they fucking they all of their stuff is after the all pasta diet they went on a protein enriched kool-aid diet oh god which i i feel like it went one of two ways either they were just chopping up meat and throwing it in the kool-aid or more likely they were just putting like pre-workout inside of kool-aid and then being like here's dinner just constipating the shit out of themselves have you ever i mean have you ever had a smoothie and then you're like oh this is a delicious smoothie oh wait i should add protein to it and then it tastes like shit have done that many a time yes Oh, God. Can you imagine? Kool-Aid already is fine. It's questionable. Yes. It's not great. Yeah. And then you add protein. Those flavors don't mix. I've only, Why would you do that? I've only ever had a smoothie after uh, 
a long night of drinking or doing some form of drug. I've never had a smoothie completely sober and clear-minded. So a smoothie is always like a band-aid on a bad decision for you. Yeah, because I'll go to like a Robex or a or a uh, Jamba Juice or whatever, and I'll order like their complete recovery smoothie bullshit and like get like all of the vitamins and stuff to replenish my body. It's usually when I'm hungover, but one time we did it after we did acid. And it was just like, it was such an intense thing and I just needed something and I got vitamin C. I don't think acid makes you sick, but it's always good to take vitamin C maybe. I don't know. This was a weird turn off. I'm sorry. That's right. <laughs> I'm not a huge smoothie person, but just every once in a while I go, I'll just get like a wild hair and like need a Jamba Juice. But I'd say it's like once a year. Yeah, I can count on one hand the amount of smoothies I've had in my life. After they used the protein-enriched Kool-Aid diet, there was even a month where the group drank only a concoction made of water, lemon, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper. Oh, God. If you want to shit your brains out for days. My favorite thing is people who do this and they're like, yeah, it's a cleanse. Like, I can feel the toxins leaving my body. It's like, no, that's diarrhea. Yeah, like, that's, that's not toxins. That's just all your bad decisions. <laughs> that's that stomach lining bitch yeah. dial it back oh god it's so bad it sounds so bad and they also yeah. members of the group who uh took this recipe and left the group later went on and developed it into what is now known as Lacroix. so there you go. This explains so that much. That sounds like it has too much flavor for LaCroix, honestly. <laughs> it does. That's true. Cayenne, cayenne pepper? They basically candy. took out the cayenne pepper, maple syrup, and most of the lemon. <laughs> and what they were left with was water. Uh, <laughs> water that someone, like, ate a lemon and then farted near the water. <laughs> I could just feel the lemon toxins leaving my body. That's how we get the bubbles. <laughs> And it's stuff like your diet changing as much as your fucking group name does that really shows you what the rule's true purpose were. It was making everyone overcome their human attachments. Do you like TV? Well, fuck. Now your TV has a schedule and a seating chart. They had a seating chart for watching television. Did they all watch the t- the same sh- programs? Like, was it a communal thing? They had to come to a decision together. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It's uh, always uh, law and order. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, like, so, like, Armando and I sometimes want to watch different things. Yeah. Imagine 40 people yeah. or 88 people. Yeah, Jake and I, for the past, like, three or four days, have agreed to watch What We Do in the Shadows, the TV series. Good. And that, but normally we do not like watching the same thing. No, I I, I agree. Uh, but, do and then there's other stuff, too. Like, do you like sweets or red meat? Well, bam, now you have a crazy fucking meat Kool-Aid diet. <laughs> oh. oh, God. <laughs> do you even sort of prefer one of your shirts to your other shirts? Well, now you have to wear communal underwear. Get used to it. All of these things were because, like, whatever new want or desire that popped up within the group, it was met with a new rule that was meant to oppose that. But there was one desire that kept popping up in most people's pants. Uh, (laughs) Communal underwear. (laughs) No matter how hard they tried. Let me guess, skid marks? Mm, (laughs) That's just the toxins leaving the body. (laughs) Or how deep they looked inside themselves for a solution. No one could stop thinking about (laughs) 
Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that drink of water, lemon, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper is how the Midwest treated sexual thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can't be sexy when you have diarrhea. Um, I mean, try me. (laughs) Uh, oh no, my taco pocket's all hot and tingly. My taco <laughs> pocket. What the fuck? How did you know that was their next diet? Taco <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a delicious after-school snack, but also it sounds like the new fucking Taco Bell item of the month. Yeah, it's it's like a hot pocket with taco meat inside and nacho cheese and Fritos for some reason. Come into Taco Bell and get the taco pocket plus a side of extra diarrhea. (laughs) It's with a Baja Blast. Yeah. I said that. From the very beginning, one of the first pillars of Bonnie and Herf's beliefs was that there was no sex. I mean, no having it, no talking about it, even dreaming about sex was forbidden. Well... I mean, that's going to be tough. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. I'm not even there for that. <laughs> exactly. It's fucking there. there it, it got to the point where because some of these people had not had sex for like the since they had joined Years. in 1974. So at a certain point, like they said that one guy had a problem where every time they would go to the movie theater, he would just uncontrollably ejaculate. <laughs> and it was just because he had just had so much built up sexual frustration. He's that, watching like, like Glenn Gary and Glenn Ross and just like. <laughs> yeah, the moment he came was uh, the second prize was a set of knives. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. It just sounded really good to him. <laughs> I could use a new set, but that's a human attachment. Oh! <laughs> I mean, technically coming is part of your toxins leaving the body. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there were several rules put in place concerning the importance of remaining abstinent. Rules like how sleeping areas were to be separated into men's and women's quarters. But they also had gay men sleeping in the women's room and gay women sleeping in the men's dormitory. Which is... That's an easy way for bisexuals to get around. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very problematic. They, they are more understanding of different sexual orientations there than other cults i suppose at the appropriate or at the time that they were operating but they're still like they didn't i mean they didn't they don't account for everyone which is it's just kind of weird some people are slipping through and into the cracks <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm just picturing it like like a reality show like you know those shows where they like like real world real world yeah. or big brother where they just have like the night cam on the communal <laughs> sleeping area yeah and i'm just like picturing people it's just like, like furious jacking up but it's everybody yeah yeah <laughs> their dirty talk is so simple it's like imagine the nine inch pancake <laughs> Oh, God, are we at the movies? (laughs) In and out of your mouth. (laughs) I get to choose what's on the television. (laughs) You never have to drink the meaty Kool-Aid again. Oh, God. Yes. Uh, (laughs) But those rules didn't work 100% of the time. And if you were caught having sex, oh, boy, were there rules for that, too. 
You were made to announce your mistake to the entire group during one of their class sessions. Which is real fucked up because essentially what that is is like... Did you bring enough sex for the rest of the class? I was, I was just picturing like the Lonely Island song. They're like, I just had sex. And it felt so good. Felt so good. No Grody put me inside. <laughs> oh, that's right. I, I forgot, forgot their, their names. names. <laughs> Shigodi. Yeah. So, Krigodi. So every one of these people is three letters followed by the term Odie. So if you're attracted to somebody, you're attracted to Shrody. Which all of their names sound like medical diseases. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they all sound like weird off-brands of the dog from Garfield. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not the sexiest dog. Whoa, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> get into it, get into it, get into it. Embrace your feelings. <laughs> I didn't have anything for it. Maybe McGruff the crime dog? <laughs> because he wears a jacket and walks up right? And he's he the most nice. <laughs> he's the narkiest dog. He makes me feel safe. <laughs> also, he's eight feet tall for some reason. <laughs> You know we couldn't have him around the house Because he'd take a bite out of crime (laughs) And I am crime (laughs) But Because the two when When you had to announce your sexual mishaps To the group The two didn't want their students to get too hot and bothered with your sexy tale of misdeeds. Let alone Akon. Yeah. (laughs) So the procedures book also gave the proper phrasing for saying, I had sex. In order to avoid arousal, you had to say, I had a major sensual slippage. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you're doing it right. Which, by the way, a major sensual slippage is my favorite slip and slide themed porn. Uh, just right off the top. Secondly, pink plastic down a hill. It doesn't sound. I mean, I mean, truly, it does sound like a mistake. It sounds like somebody's pussy was too wet and you slip and fell. <laughs> just yellow. They have to bring one of those yellow prop signs up yeah. with them on stage. Pussy may be wet. <laughs> pussy may be wet. Major sexual slippage. <laughs> Yeah, I just, the weirdest thing about this for me is just understanding that, like, a huge part of the whole reason all these people have to suffer through this nonsense are just the leader's personal issues with sex. Oh, for sure. The challenge of suppressing your sexual urges was not just exclusive to the members. From the beginning of their partnership, Bonnie had complained to all of her friends that she was disappointed that her and Herf's relationship had never been sexual. Bonnie, no. It's really sad. Bonnie, he likes Lady Gaga, just let it go. He likes Lady Gaga, not ladies. Yeah. We've all been the chubby girl in theater class that has a best friend. No. (laughs) Find yourself someone who can give you the love you deserve. And the dicking you need. Yes. That's what true love is. I mean, find yourself an eight foot tall crime dog that makes you feel safe. (laughs) I think that is what Armando is. (laughs) I don't think it's the same kind of crime dog. No, I'm the other end of the spectrum of crime dogs. He's not taking a bite out of crime. He's taking a bite out of the weed brownie. (laughs) 
Yeah, but- I'm literally <laughs> taking a bite out of crime. A yeah. federal crime. He can sniff out weed brownies in any home. So that's <laughs> sexy to me. But just like most dogs, I'm not supposed to eat chocolate. Hey. <laughs> Hell yeah, dog. <laughs> And we put all your pills in cheese. <laughs> whoa, wait, whoa, 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 wait, what? <laughs> Which is tough because they're lactates. So like. There you go. It's really a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> uh, and Herf tried to avoid male followers at all, if possible. One follower who went by the name Sawyer. Uh, by the way, Sawyer was his cult name. So he was one of the people that didn't go by the Odie kind of name, but his name was not Sawyer, which brings me to a point that I think we've made a thousand times, which is that if you get to rename yourself, go with the coolest name possible. Word. Ooh, what would your names be? Um, just the coolest name possible. I'd stick with Rampage. It was That's the yeah. name cool. I got in Rampage college. Rampage is good. That like Roast Battle adopted it after I had had it for a while in uh-huh. college. So I think I just stick with that. I'd go with McGruff the Criminal Dog. <laughs> and then Andrea. dog is spelled with an A-W. Andrea, put down the peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh... Uh, one follower who went by Sawyer mentioned how sad he was that he could never get closer to the leader of Heaven's Gate because he was a man and Herf tried to stay away from male followers. And he even blamed himself because of his own, quote, sensual male vibrations. I mean, I applaud him for being open to sensual male vibrations because they make (laughs) toys for everyone now and we can all enjoy it. Put down the peanut butter, but <laughs> that's that's very sad. It does sound sad until you realize he's literally saying that the reason his life was so sad is because he was too sexy. I'm that's too sexy saying. for this cult. Too <laughs> sexy for this cult. <laughs> too sexy for meat Kool-Aid. So sexy it hurts. <laughs> In one class session, Sawyer even brought up castration as a method for curing male followers' sexual desires. At the time, Herf cringed at the thought, but the idea was put forth into the world. By 1979, the group's strict new rulebook had cut down its membership to only about 40 followers. Oof. But these followers were fully committed to the two and their new plan. And their new plan was a lot like their old plan on fucking steroids. Or maybe protein-enriched (laughs) Kool-Aid. Meat drink. Damn, has your plan been working out? The new the group the new plan was that the group would live together. Wow, you look like Skeletor. <laughs> that protein Kool-Aid meat drink is going great for you. Mm, your breath smells like strawberries and veal. You oh. look like a king, specifically a mummy in a sarcophagus. <laughs> The new plan was that the group would live together and spend all of their time learning from Bonnie and Herf. Only instead of staying at random campsites across the country, the two would now provide real housing for their members. And at first, that housing came in the form of a few rentals in a quiet Denver suburb. Then they moved to Dallas. Then they moved all over the Southwest. Because even if the group was together, the two wanted to stay on the move. Because according to Bonnie and Herf, they had enemies. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. By 1980, they had caught wind of a woman from 
Carmel dash by dash the dash C who was seeking her son and worrying family members meant that they were at risk of having their members deprogrammed because through the 1970s, as the number of new religious movements was on the rise, cults were starting to be fought by people like Ted Patrick, the father of deprogramming. We could do an entire Patreon episode just on Ted Patrick. Yeah, we could do an entire main feed episode. There is so the deprogramming is super interesting. And at Wild. some point we will cover it. Yeah, yeah. At this point, Ted had already successfully brought back members from the Children of God, the Moonies, and even a few people from a small compound that was started by a man from Tony, Kansas. Tony, Kansas. Then there was the fear of being brought down by the United States government. Think about any story you can about aliens and you'll find the archetype of a government official who will stop at nothing to cover it up. From the officials who hid the Roswell crash site to the government of Toontown banding together to <laughs> defeat the Monstars, government and UFOs just don't mix. But more than those two forces, or even maybe including them, was the group's biggest enemy. Other aliens. What? One of the main tenets of the group's theology was the materiality of God, angels, and heaven. From the very beginning, the two claimed that both Jesus and the Father were extraterrestrials from a real physical place among the stars called the next level. Aliens. <laughs> Now, a few days ago, at this point, a couple weeks ago, really, we talked about how this belief system is different from a lot of mainstream Christianity. And you two are, what I'm now learning, are different sects of Christianity, uh, which is Andrea's was raised Catholic. I was raised Catholic, Catholic. And Paige? I was raised non-denominational Protestant. Damn, that sounds way more cool than Catholic. At the request of the Facebook group, I'm being more specific so that we don't just say Christian when we mean something more specific. That's fair. Yeah, I uh, I, I, I saw a post on the Facebook group where somebody was like, it's interesting that you guys call Catholics and Christians different things. And I was like, honestly, all religions are super different to me. I don't know the difference between any of them. I mean... Catholicism and Protestantism, very different. Yeah. Sometimes very different, sometimes not as different, depending on which denomination of Protestantism you get. Uh, both under the umbrella of Christianity, let's say that. For me, the difference in the two religions is Christianity was in English and Catholicism was in Spanish. But that was just my family. Because <laughs> I, I was like, there are so yeah, many that has Yeah, that has nothing to do with anything. Well, it's just anytime I went to a Catholic church, it was always in Spanish. So for a long time, Catholic church, Catholicism was in Latin. Oh, God. Even in non like Latin's a dead language. So yeah. like until up until I think like the fifties. It still is in Europe. And yeah. there are still yeah. yeah That's there what are I'm still... saying. While I was growing up, Catholicism was Latino. That was <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> But it's weird. So like that's part of what happened in the Protestant movement is people are like this isn't even in, this not in our language. Yeah. We're not allowed to read the Bible. Yep. None of this makes sense. Like we have to put if we're going to believe in this thing, everyone has to be educated and they have to be able to read the Bible in their native language. And like that was a huge push of the Protestant movement. And Catholics were still like about, I don't know, 200 years behind. Just like, nah, Latin for life, dog. Yeah. And they I mean, uh, Herf himself, I believe, uh, 
said that he was influenced by Martin Luther, who was a Protestant reformer. Uh, his whole thing. He's the OG Protestant reformer. Yeah. yeah. He's the, literally the first. The, the But the thing is, he didn't take like this new take on religion. What he took was like, remember when Martin Luther said you shouldn't have to follow the laws? Well, I shouldn't go to jail for stealing that car. And it was like, well, that was a hypothetical conversation that yeah, he was having yeah, yeah. about not having to do nothing on Sundays, but well, for sure. I mean, he, he also, he was very frustrated by the church's policy on uh, something called indulgences where you can oh, essentially yeah. buy, buy your way out, out of, of heaven. Sin. Yeah. Or into, into heaven. heaven. Yeah. 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 I mean, they, those are, those really are one and the same buying yourself into heaven, buying your way out of sin. Yeah. Uh, but in your beliefs, in your different, but similar beliefs, yeah. is heaven a tangible physical location? Is Heaven a place He's on, on earth. earth. Um no. Okay. In in my personal non-denominational Protestant beliefs. And this is your personal also personal beliefs, because I'm sure there's other people that oh, might yeah. have different people believe different shit all the time. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just asking for your personal like upbringing. Yeah, throw whatever. a rock and you could find somebody that thinks Satan put dinosaur bones in the ground to trick people. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't have to throw it farm right here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um uh in the belief system I was raised in heaven was considered to be a different plane of existence, not okay. a place that you could travel or reach in your physical form a place that your consciousness or soul if you want to quantify it that way would go to after you are dead there are some differing beliefs about when you go if it's immediately after you die or if you go into kind of a holding pattern until the end of times most of the people i grew up around seem to believe that you go right after like an afterlife drunk tank uh it's purgatory but it's basically yeah, pretty much yeah and the belief in some cases is that everyone prior everyone who lived prior to jesus's coming which is a lot of people it's millions of thousands millions 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 billions of yeah uh that they didn't have a chance to accept christ as their personal savior so that they are potentially in holding or they're in heaven already, depending on who you talk to. Regardless, not a physical place. That's why we don't really care what happens to our bodies, because our bodies are meaningless at that point. And that's Protestant. Uh, Non-denominational Protestants. Okay. Yeah, whereas like Catholics believe like heaven is a place that your spirit goes, but when Jesus comes back, everyone's going to need their body again, because it's going to be heaven on earth, baby. So... I guess the difference being is that in Paige's upbringing, it was you would go from one plane existence to a better plane of existence, kind of like being upgraded from Spirit Airlines to like uh, Southwest Airlines. Yes. There is a belief that uh, we will come back and be on quote unquote new earth and that there will be a new kingdom here. But there's not a belief that that's a thing that you can just go to. It will be at a point. It'll be created. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very interesting. Yeah. So, according to the two, God and the angels were physical beings who lived on an actual tangible world called the next level. The whole point of the group was to help people overcome their human attachments so that they could ascend via spaceship to the next level and live as evolved and perfected extraterrestrials. But there was also another group of aliens on Earth who were at the opposite end of the spectrum. In part two, we covered a lot of the group's beliefs 
and possible influences, including Eric Von Dyneken's book, Chariots of the Gods. Uh, Aliens. Yeah. Eric believed that all of Earth's religions were born from ancient civilizations meeting aliens who called themselves gods because it was the only way that humanity could process their existence at the time. It's literally the plot of the show Ancient Aliens. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Heaven's Gate shared this theory, but took it one step further. Some of these visiting aliens were actually defectors from the kingdom of God who had been cast out of the next level. Now they roam the earth trying to hinder humanity's ability to overcome human attachments. And they were called Luciferians. They are saying what they do, because they do. They do this thing where they rename everything. So like your home was your was your craft or the kitchen was the neutral lab or the laundry mat was the fiber lab or um although pretty, pretty classic cult yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so they're calling luciferians uh that is a term for uh an alien species an alien species right yeah. so right. like we would call instead of like uh gungans uh which is the traditional evil alien uh <laughs> fuck you jar jar binks worst character ever written um they they basically had they just called them luciferians that was right. like their race of people or of uh, of aliens rather now according to bonnie and herf luciferians technically they were just slightly more advanced human beings and then when they were cast out they retained a small amount of their training that they had received in the next level which allowed them to do things like travel through time communicate through telepathy use some alien technology like spacecrafts genetic modifiers and even holograms and also stop crime while being a dog (laughs) (laughs) oh okay Uh, i was gonna say this is something in christianity where even though heaven is a separate plane Uh and also hell separate plane beings from those planes can travel to and through our plane and influence things in this plane but it's not necessarily in a tangible way that we can always see yeah it's a spiritual layover exactly uh it's it's what makes the movie hereditary happen oh okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. also by the way tupac at coachella that's a hologram that was a luciferian baby <laughs> <laughs> Now, initially, the Luciferians were introduced as a way to explain other gurus and leaders of movements that were similar to the two. Think of it as like the cult leader version of a diss track. That's really what it is. It it was just a way to say like, well, these people are really similar to like what we're doing. Like how, how does that work if they're like the same thing basically and it was like well they're a defector from the kingdom of god and they've come here to try and pull you away from the right path so it was kind of more of like it was more of just a way to explain away other stuff and it wasn't meant as a physical threat at the time it was created but again the story of heaven's gate is now the idea is out there and we can see him like putting stuff out into the world and constantly putting stuff into the world. Like whenever they change stuff, he's putting ideas out into the heads of his people. And then when he needs to, he'll pull back, reach for it and bring it back 10 times stronger. So by 1981, the group had again traveled across America, only this time as a single unit. 
and they hadn't skimped out on rent either. In every city they went to, they stayed in some pretty fucking nice houses. Like, there was large rentals in the suburbs to the occasional chalet in the Rockies. But, like we covered last week, uh, or two weeks ago, rather, in part three, they were paying for everything on their followers' dime. Their only income was whatever money their new recruits had forked over when they joined. Some members only brought petty cash and pocket change, but other members like David Van Sindren and former Republican candidate John Craig brought sums ranging from $40,000 to $400,000. But after six years, four of which included for paying everyone's rent, by the way, the funds were running low, and in order to move forward, Heaven's Gate needed to take a step back. They needed day jobs. Aww, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> were they struggling comedians? <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Uh, the problem with jobs, though, is that they get you out of the house. Now, if you're like the mom of a shitty teenager, that's kind of a good thing. But if you are the leader of a cult, uh, not really a good thing when you want everyone to stay inside and only rely on you for any source of love, appreciation, or... Fulfillment. Yeah. Or knowledge, the ability ideas. to live. Yeah. Like, realistically, you could take your paycheck and then just leave and then just start a life well, if you wanted to. I'm this... just picturing somebody stirring meat Kool-Aid in a break room. Oh, God. Oh, God. Who microwaved fish? <laughs> uh, what Red a Lobster. Monster. Red Lobster does What that. a monster. <laughs> well, this is, again, this is another tactic that we see over and over again in abusive relationships is that an abusive partner will not allow the abused partner to have their own source of income. And if they do have a job, then that person has to kind of forfeit that income to the abuser all the time. And that's a way of controlling people. Right. Because it, it completely takes away any kind of financial independence. Yeah, because once you're like, oh, I have a job. And once you're co- you talk to your coworkers and you're like, wait, your husband doesn't beat you every night? Now Cheryl's putting ideas in your head that yeah. maybe you shouldn't get hit every day. They also, they, they were very, they very much so, uh, before they did this, strengthened the idea of like everyone on the outside is trying to pull you away from us. They're, they might be Luciferians because anyone could be this fucking alien who's trying to pull you away and stop you from achieving enlightenment. So like I said, like that idea gets pulled back in and they're like also anyone who tries to stop you might be an evil fucking alien so watch out (laughs) yeah it's like when you have a like a girlfriend that's like you should stop talking to your family because they're aliens (laughs) whoa sorry very specific take it out (laughs) in the past members had left for many many reasons some were just annoyed with other members. Some one guy tried good kush for the first time and was like, "Peace, bitches, I'm out." Wait, I can smoke weed and also come. Why was I in this cult? I was yeah. gonna say some people got good kush, other people got that good gush, and they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> one woman even left after not quote having an orgasm in three months. She That's was just, too long for me. After three months, she just went, peace, I'm fucking out, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm out gone. fucking, dude. And for some members, it had been years since they got a chance to look at their own vinegar strokes. 
Uh, <laughs> Why are you watching your own? <laughs> Looking in the mirror. Uh, so at first, only menial part-time jobs were allowed. You used a fake name, a fake address, and you talked to nobody unless absolutely necessary. But once the two were sure it was safe to let their members out... <laughs> <laughs> they undid their zippers. Uh, that was just poor wording on my Throbbing part. Throbbing members. They sure were. They're coming in movie theaters. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman style. I love 10 Things I Hate About You so much. <laughs> once they, once the two were sure it was safe to let uh, their members get real jobs, or more likely when they found out that they couldn't survive on shitty part-time jobs... They allowed them to take more specialized work that they were actually qualified for. And holy shit, were some of these people qualified. Like Margaret Richter, who was a high school valedictorian and all-around computer whiz. I don't know what she did with computers. She whizzed on them. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, stop it. We didn't hire you for this. She's like, I'm going to go to the Best Buy. I am qualified. <laughs> I drank a ton of meat Kool-Aid and it's <laughs> sloshing around in my bladder. Oh, God. And it's time to whiz on some computers. It's time to let the toxins leave the body. <laughs> I Yeah, I don't know what she did with computers. It just, every time it described her, it just said a computer whiz, which I think is 1980s talk for has email. Owns calculator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, it's... I can make it say boobs. <laughs> Then there was Susan Pop, who was a technical writer in what now felt like a past life. I also like the term technical writer because it sounds like what I do. Like, technically, I'm a writer. <laughs> That's what I tell my mom anyway. Uh, and even David Moore, Nancy Brown's son from the last episode, who was a trained mechanic. And there's always work for mechanics. Although, to try and keep investigating mothers at bay... The two also implemented some security measures. Like all of the information on your resume was fake and all of the phone numbers for your, quote, out-of-state references, end quote, were call-forwarded back to the house where other members would lie about being your former boss. Which, like, I'm surprised they didn't catch on when every phone call was like, Rigotti speaking, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Bank of America, this is Brigotti. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in this cult's name sounds like Scooby-Doo getting too excited. <laughs> Rigotti, Scoob. Rigotti, Raggy. Um, Rigetti. Um, I, yeah, I like that basically they're just following classic getting a job in your early 20s rules. Yeah. That's really what's going on. I don't know if you've ever had somebody call your, uh, or had to be somebody's former reference. Yeah. Uh, one time I was somebody's reference, like their fake reference, and I was mid-hitting a joint when I got the phone call. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I think I answered the phone call like, yeah, what's up? Not uh, not a good way. I don't Did think it make got... you sound older? What's up, dude? <laughs> I've been real references because I used to be people's boss. There you go. What? I've only been I a know. people's boss a couple times and no one wants me as a reference because it's I not a job. I hate being people's boss. Oh, yeah. It's not fun. But phony references or not, all of Heaven's Gate's followers were amazing employees. They were polite but not chatty. They were plain but well-groomed. And they were always on time, almost like they had spent years of their life figuring out how to get around using the public transportation. (laughs) (laughs) 
And with high-paying good jobs, the group was back to being sustainable. According to a former member who served as their bookkeeper, Heaven's Gate made an annual income of about $350,000 after taxes. Now, this is something we calculated last time, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. That it came out to about twenty five grand a year per person. Yes, in Wait, with accounting for inflation. That was I in it today's was money. Twenty five hundred a person. No, no, no twenty five grand a year. That's not great. It's like but everyone if you're not has paying like a, rent. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you've really got fine. communal rent, it's not. It's not as bad. Well, I mean, yeah, that twenty five thousand is mostly going to rent. You don't have to pay for rent, clothing, shoes. I mean, like everything yeah. is taken care of by the two. It's not great stuff. I mean. This sounds like a bit, but it's not. They're getting all of the clothes from TJ Maxx and Burlington Coat Factory. Right. They're like a mom on a budget. Uh, and it's back to school time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> mom, none of my clothes fit. You'll grow into them. Not on this Kool-Aid diet. <laughs> <laughs> the shopping center Ross is about to be recycled. Oh. <laughs> That is kind of what a Ross is, though. It really is. Ross is just uh, a corporate thrift store, almost, is what it feels I like. I feel like everyone treats Ross like their own closet. And by that, I mean they pull something out and they're like, no, and they just drop it on the floor. Yeah. Well, the thing I hate about Ross is I'm I'm a big guy. I'm a real big guy. I wear Your boy wears size 14 to 15 size shoes. Uh, and every time I tell people about how hard it is to get shoes in my size, they go, oh, dude, just go to Ross. And it's like they've never had to look at the big. So here's what it's like shopping for shoes at a Ross. It goes size 14 and then it jumps to size 23. Yeah. And you're like, does Shaq <laughs> shop here? Are these Shaq's <laughs> old shoes? And there's only like once you get to size 13 and above, there's only two types of shoes. And it's like weird off-brand sketchers or the yeah. black ones with velcro that make you look like you yeah, the, yeah the they're, wor they're work yeah. safe shoes or they're soccer cleats that's yeah it. That's why are there all so many exists. soccer cleats there that's all that exists at a ross <laughs> so anyway that was just a god i'm just burning all corporate bridges aren't <laughs> i um at us, TJ Maxx. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking Ross down. I'm fine with TJ Maxx, really, honestly. It's all the same shit. It yeah. really is. And if you didn't work a day job, there was always work to be done around the house. Most members actually worked full time at home making a true crime comedy podcast called <laughs> We're in a Cult Podcast. <laughs> That's very, 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 very coincidental. <laughs> it's almost like... It's my job. Um, no, th the work around the house was always stuff like cleaning the craft or cooking in the neutral lab or working in the fiber lab to make sure the communal pair of underwear was ready for work. <laughs> and it's my day. You had them Thursday. <laughs> That's okay. I'm freeballing it today, baby. <laughs> I'm just uh, freeballing here, but <laughs> what if we got more than one pair of underwear? I'm just freebasing here, but... Oh, got more God. <laughs> Sometimes your job was as simple as driving everyone else to their jobs. For a brief period of time, right about now... <laughs> Lift Cult Edition. <laughs> <laughs> your driver, Lagodi, is pulling up in a 2006 silver spaceship. <laughs> uh, for a brief period of time, right now, things were good sustainably good too but then everything changed in an instant around 1983 bonnie nettles t to her followers 
started complaining about a sharp pain in one of her eyes, and no amount of meditation or protein-packed Kool-Aid could make the pain go away. And by the time she finally got medical attention, it was far too late. Bonnie Nettles lost her eye to cancer, which is very ironic for a Gemini who claims to have the sight. <laughs> Ooh. Mm, shade laugh. thrown, baby. No, that's an eye patch. It's not a shade. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't long before the cancer spread downward into her liver. In the summer of 1985, under the fake name Shelley West, Bonnie Nettles died in the Parkland Hospital of Dallas, Texas. And this is where everything got a hell of a lot more difficult. From the beginning, the plan had been that Bonnie and Herf, T and Doe, would die together. Then they would be resurrected three days later and take their followers to the next level in a cool-ass spaceship. You know, with fucking spinning rims and mm-hmm. his bumping Lil' Rob. Ooh, ooh. I just made them listen it's to Lil' Rob. It's a low-rider <laughs> spaceship? Yeah. Oh, for sure. But Bonnie was dead, and Herf was still here. And more than that, Bonnie's physical body was here too. Herf told everyone that Bonnie had been taken to the next level, which, by their own admission, was a physical, tangible place. But her body was here on Earth, cremated, and then spread over the lake near her hometown. A whole, the whole point of all of this, of transforming yourself, of severing the ties, of overcoming human attachments, the end goal was always to take your actual body to a very real place among the stars. When Heaven's Gate's members looked to her for answers, he told them that he had received a message from the next level. Only, instead of bringing news about a new fad diet like before, it was an update about Heaven's Heaven's Gate's body policy. I shouldn't have called it a policy, but I couldn't think of the right term for it. Body rule sounds bad, too. Body beliefs? Uh, sure. Why not? The new body belief was that your earthly body was not suited for the extraterrestrial world. So, while you were here training on Earth, a new body was being built for you molecule by molecule that would serve as your brand new body. And once you reached the heaven and the stars, you would be loaded into this new vehicle. Basically, like when you get a new iPhone and you load it up from the last, like, save to the cloud or whatever. Except this time, you don't have to go through 2,000 pictures that you took that you've never looked at since you took them. (laughs) All screenshots all the time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, in some ways, this is kind of going from the catholic to the protestant beliefs about heaven it's like okay we really need this body and now it's like okay you won't need that body though it's fine don't worry about it yeah what that body do nothing nothing in the afterlife (laughs) well and i think what's really interesting about this is like we kind of see this over and over again where herf is using the group to kind of work through personal trauma oh for sure so like the thing about not having sex like that's herf couldn't have sex in his real life and also have meaningful long-term relationships with the people that he was sexually involved with and so instead of having sex and having a sexual relationship he chose to have bonnie nettles as a life partner and have like a fulfilling loving relationship that was sexless and he thought that making everyone not have sex was a way to some type of enlightenment because it was making his life better it was the only way he was making things work and now you see the same thing is happening now that bonnie's dead now he's like oh wait we don't need bodies 
we can get rid of them. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, if you want to stop a giant group of people from having sex, just take them to Red Lobster because that's going to plug you right up. Um, <laughs> secondly, if you if you follow the fact of like severing the ties and getting rid of human attachment by their own beliefs herf should not be sad about the passing of bonnie nettles right but he is very noticeably upset and there's even a recording that he sent and had his followers help him prepare that he sent to uh bonnie's oldest daughter terry um where you hear him trying to explain because they didn't tell terry that bonnie died by the way which is we're not going to dive into it because it's it's like a whole other side thing but essentially she found out that her mom died by questioning two members that just showed up at her house uh to like tell her that there had been a change like she was like is my mom okay is my mom dead and they were like it's weird weather we're having right Mm. these warm summer nights it's like they, they sent a tape to her and in the tape, you can hear her f- Applewhite, like, crying, almost. Like, tearing up and, like, getting choked up and getting really affected by it. And it's very sad because he lost his best friend. Mm-hmm. But by his own beliefs, he shouldn't be sad about it because, A, she's in the next level, according to him. And, B, you're not supposed to have any human emotions or human attachments because that's what makes us, like, or that's what makes them transcended, you know? So, it is you're right in that like everything that he's doing to the group this is one of the few times where you see the leaders of the group genuinely believing in the practice and also follow like practicing what they preach like most times groups are like you shouldn't fuck you know who's fucking everyone at the top but in this group he's like no one should fuck because i'm not fucking um yeah i mean really all of this is just like him trying to deal with his own life And when he feels like he's in charge, when he feels like he's leading someone, it makes the things that are happening to him and the choices he's making in his personal life seem more important and valuable. Oh, yeah. And when we talk about the group's beliefs, they sound crazy, right? Like, it's crazy to accept the concept of alien Jesus. It's crazy to leave everything behind. It's even crazier to take all of these new changes that came along almost every month. Like a fucking pasta diet, a meaty Kool-Aid diet, which is meaty Kool-Aid is the most upsetting phrase we've said all all episode, by the way. But you know that old fable about uh, boiling a frog, about how like if you set a frog in boiling water, it'll jump out. But if you slowly boil the water, the frog will stay in it until it dies. It turns out that's not true. That's not a real thing. By the way, if you're wondering, if you throw a frog in boiling water, it'll just die. It's a frog. Anything will die if you throw it in boiling anything. The frog, also, if you put it in water and make it get warmer, as soon as the water gets slightly warm, the frog will jump out. Because it's a frog. And frogs (laughs) jump. It's what they do. And all of these people... They're not, it's not the thing of like, you're slowly turning on the water and they're not noticing how crazy it gets. They know it's crazy. They know it's crazy. Even Herf knew that it was crazy. He told some of his inner circle of followers that he questioned his own beliefs. There's a time, a period of time where he was like, am I wrong? Like, should I tell people not to do it? After Bonnie's death, there's a period of time where he's so inconsolable that it's other members basically leading the group and Herf being like, I think I... 
I think I fucked up. I think we need to go back. And they're like, no, you can't. You need to stay in. Like they kept him in check. And so Bonnie, before her death, she had also questioned everything. She wrote a letter to her eldest daughter and warned her to conform to society by any means necessary and implied that she had been wrong about everything. But by this point, most followers of Heaven's Gate had been around for about a decade. And if they gave up now, it meant that they were wrong and that everything bad that had ever happened to them was their fault. Because all of these people were just like Bonnie and Herf. They had been divorced or they had issues or they had trauma. And the two's teaching said that all of these events were not their fault. They were necessary events that brought them to the group. It's like how at the very beginning I explained like, Bonnie and Herf were like, oh, it's not, you know, Herf kind of considered being gay a bad thing, sort of. And so he was like, oh, it's not bad that I'm gay. It's just like it was a thing that I needed to be so that I wouldn't marry anyone. Uh, And Bonnie had been divorced and she was like, which is, again, it's not bad to be divorced. It's not a bad thing. Uh, And she was like, well, I got divorced because that relationship wasn't right for me. So like every step along the way where something terrible happens, that is in most instances, a creation of their own fuck ups or unwillingness to admit who they truly are or want to be. Now all of this stuff is fate. It was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen so that you come together. And if you're wrong, if you're not, if, you, if what they're saying isn't true, then it means everything that you've done wrong, including leaving your family behind. For some of these people, it meant children. And taking your entire life savings and handing it over to fucking two Texans, which is never a good idea. <laughs> and unless they have oil on their hands. Anyway, um, if everything that they had done had been a mistake that was their own fault and everything bad that had happened to them, they were now at least partially responsible for it. And so if the, so maybe I guess a better way to explain it is maybe a frog will jump out of slowly boiling water. But if the frog knows that leaving the pot means going home to nothing except a deep feeling of failure, it might try and lie to itself and think like, Hey, maybe it's it's a hot hot tub. Yeah. You know, like, that's the best metaphor I can think of it. It's just like they're trying to convince themselves that it's not as hot as it is because otherwise there's nothing. And we've all done this too, like to different extents. Oh, like, yeah. We've all been in a hot tub before for sure. <laughs> but like we've all kind of been in situations where we know something isn't right. Like whether that's a relationship or like a job opportunity or something where like you're trying to convince yourself that you're in the right place but like your gut is telling you it's a bad idea and then you but you you're like well I've already moved to the city I've already moved in with this person I've already given up x y or z and you kind of have to reconcile yourself with that choice mm-hmm everything is small allowances essentially that allow them to like it's like what all true crime podcasts talk about about how killing even like murderers they have like a ramping up period where like they allow themselves more and i'm not comparing these people i guess i am comparing them a little bit to killers but i'm not saying they're murderers i'm saying that they're just allowing themselves 
more and more stuff along the way until they're fully indoctrinated when you're stepping outside of the norm first you take put a toe in and then you stop having sex and then you everyone shares underwear and like you're you're building up to this is just how it is yeah this is normal by 1990 the group was starting to crumble several followers left leaving their membership at only 25 people But at least now, Herf knew what his next move should be. He announced to his small remaining flock that Heaven's Gate had reopened, and it was time to go back to recruiting. Herf told the group that the Luciferians were about to win the ongoing battle between good and evil, and soon Lucifer would take control of the Earth. And when that happened, the planet would need to be recycled. Which sounds like the most heavy metal anime I could ever think of in my entire life. Um, but it's also like, that's an example of what I was talking about. Like the Luciferians were originally an idea that they threw out to be like, look at all these other weirdos. And then they pulled it back to be like, aliens are winning the battle of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Well, cause you have to have an enemy. Oh yeah. yeah nothing galvanizes sure. people like an enemy. Yeah. Nothing galvanizes people like the feeling, the false sense of persecution too. Yeah. In order to give humanity one last chance to make it out, they started a new harvest. Although, they quickly found out that their old methods of sending pamphlets to new age centers and visiting rehabilitation groups wasn't going to cut it anymore. So instead, they got with the times and started advertising. Uh, Their first advertisement was three frogs sitting on a log that went, Heaven's Gate! And then they jumped out because the water was boiling. Uh, No. In 1992, they started broadcasting their homemade recruitment tapes on TV. In 1993, they took out full-page ads in newspapers across the world. And in 1994, they decided it was time to get on the road and spread their message in person as much as they possibly could. So for the second time in the members' lives, they were forced to sell off all of their possessions except for their cars clothes and whatever food they could carry and live life camping around the country trying to recruit members like they had just a few years ago and this push towards recruitment kind of worked it brought the group's membership back up to 45 followers but a majority of these quote-unquote new recruits were just old members that left and were given a second chance to come back so they just came back because they kind of had nothing else like i said once you leave the group there really is nothing else yeah and until your hair grows back no one will hire you (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you think that the members that left and came back had sexual slippages sensual slippages major Major sensual sensual slippages slippages. yeah (laughs) so much I slipped all the way back here, Herf. (laughs) It was so wet, it was like a slip and slide straight to your arms. So, while their membership was going up, it went up from 25 to 45 in just a short period of time. Things were actually really bad inside of the group. During the time they were out recruiting, around 1993, some of the male members had again started pushing for Herf to allow them to get castrated. And worn down by the loss of his partner Bonnie and having to spend years trying to convince people not to fuck, he finally gave in. American doctors were super against the thought of removing someone's testicles. So the group went down south to Mexico where they almost immediately found a doctor who was willing to do the procedure. 
Herf told his followers that only one male would be allowed to undergo the surgery as an experiment, but the problem was multiple people were begging to have their testicles removed. So they decided on who would be allowed to take the surgery by flipping a coin. The winner was a man named Stephen McCarter. Was uh, he the winner? Yeah, winner. Was in, he the winner? Winner yeah. is in quotation marks and a uh, dick cast. Um, yeah. He won the coin toss, but the doctor absolutely botched the surgery. Oh, Just God. completely fucked it oh, up. Oh, God. At first, Herf decided that the idea wasn't worth pursuing, but after Stephen healed up and other members kept pestering him, Herf and seven other members found a better doctor, and better is in heavy quotation marks, and were castrated as well. So this isn't like chemical castration. This is physical castration that they're having done. Yeah, this is horrific. And again, remember the first time that it came out that, they, that he was like, oh, we should get castrated. He was like, no. And this insight into the group shows us how fucked up things had really gotten. So it might not surprise you to learn that the push to recruit new members was actually part of a much darker plan. According to Herf's beliefs, the only way he could prove to the group that he was right was to complete the demonstration that he and Bonnie had uh, prophesied way back along the Oregon River, which meant that Herf needed to die. Herf hoped that going public would rile up some fundamentalists and inspire someone to visit one of their widely publicized meetings and shoot up the place. But that never panned out, because other Christians were just hurtling ridicule instead of bullets. They were just getting roasted and not shot at. Uh, he also considered trying to provoke an attack from the government. In 1993, another group of radicals, who called themselves... The Branch Davidians had been wiped out by the feds, and maybe Heaven's Gate could get in on some of that action. In order to become more like the Branch Davidians, Herf ordered a few of his members to go out and buy guns. They bought two rifles, two semi-automatic pistols, and three revolvers. But the group, who was made up of former hippies, were so uncomfortable around the guns that they just locked them up in storage <laughs> because they didn't want to be near the guns. They got creeped out by the guns. Remember <laughs> that Remember that video we just watched yesterday about those creepy-ass dolls that yeah. like, eyes follow you? That's what the guns were to them. <laughs> Everywhere I look, the bullets just follow me. But in August of 1994, Herf came to a realization. No one was coming to kill him, which is, you gotta have mixed feelings about that one, right? Yeah. Because on one hand, you're like, yes, no one's trying to kill me. Every day that I realize no one's trying to kill me is a good day. But for him, it's kind of a bad day. You're like, I'm kind of a big deal. Why isn't anyone taking an interest? <laughs> yeah, it's this. It's like he's on Tinder, but for, for getting, getting murdered by the government. <laughs> He's swiping right on everybody, and assassins are like, left, left. He realized that he needed to take matters into his own hands. So the harvest came to a close for the second time, and the group was moving back indoors. This time, they were heading to the San Diego suburb of Rancho Santa Fe. In July 1995, something really weird happened. And not just to the group of alien souls living in human vehicles down in Rancho Santa Fe, California. All across the world, 
something was getting everyone excited to look up at the stars. The Hale-Bopp comet was passing over Earth. Ooh. Were you guys... Were you guys old enough to remember the Hale-Bopp yeah. comet? Yeah, for sure. We well, talked about it in school. Yep. How yeah. how old were you in 1995? 1995, I was about eight. Okay. I was seven. Okay. So you guys were like old enough to realize what was going on. Yeah, I, I don't remember... I mean, I vaguely remember this, the cult. Yeah. But I do remember the comet. I Yeah, I meant more the comet. Because yeah. I feel like that, because it was something you could see, right? Yeah, it was something yeah, you, you could, could like, see, see it. it. Yeah, our school took us outside, and I think we... And you could see it, if I'm, I might be crazy. I want to say partially during the day. Yeah. Yeah. It was really bright. That's what they said. There was, like, a whole giant period of time where you could see it without even a telescope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to me. The only thing we had, like, our hell Bob comet was watching uh, Obama get inaugurated. <laughs> <laughs> where like uh, they made us watch it on TV. I say made, but it was super interesting. Um, Shouts out to Barrio. Fucking yeah. Shouts out to Brock. You want to come on the podcast, Doc? I'm hoping to do a speculation zone episode, by the way, under the discovery of the comet because the story is fucking hilarious. And it's about the reason it has two names is because two people discovered it at the same time. And there's a little bit of friction because it made both of them kind of like rock stars. Mm-hmm. But they're just two real like schlubby dudes who are like, I was looking up at the sky with my telescope, which is what I do every night because no one wants to hang out with me ever. <gasps> and there's a news report of them talking about it, and the B roll footage is them just signing autographs. Oh, jeez. It's, it's a very funny story. But to put it simply, a really big ass comet was spotted in the sky, and it was set to fly right past Earth, reaching its closest point in March of 1997. And while everyone from astronomers to eight and seven-year-olds in Wisconsin and Northern California uh, were getting excited, some groups of people thought that there was more to the comet than what met the eye. Ufologists or ufologists and conspiracy theorists alike began speculating that the comet's weird trajectory and possible companion object pointed to the fact that it was actually an alien spacecraft here to visit Earth. Aliens. And part of the spread of this theory, by the way, has to be credited to our boy, the host of the wildly popular talk show Coast to Coast, Art Bell. What, what? That's old style coast to coast. Oh, yeah. None of that George Nori bullshit. No, no, no. This is the, this is the old, this is before the host hated Obama. Yeah. Um, now, if you don't fuck with Art Bell and coast to coast, that, that means that you fucking probably live a normal life during regular business hours. <laughs> and uh, you, you assume that the government only wants the best for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, were you wrong? Uh, (laughs) But the show was a late night talk show that frequently talked about the paranormal and different popular conspiracy theories. And all of this talk of incoming alien spacecrafts really excited Herf Applewhite. This was it. This was his way out. And almost immediately, he posted an update to their website that still remains there to this day. And the update reads, Hail Bop brings closure to heaven's gate its arrival is joyously very significant to us at heaven's gate the joy is that our older member in the evolutionary level above human has made it clear to us that hale bop's approach is the marker 
we've been waiting for. The time for arrival of the spacecraft from the level above human to take us home to their world in the literal heavens. Our 22 years of classroom here on Earth planet is finally coming to conclusion. Graduation from the human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world and go with T's crew. This fucking paragraph sounds like they put it through google translate on like 42 different languages and then brought it back out to earth (laughs) it's like a great sign of like these people are so brainwashed they don't remember what real human english is supposed to sound like yeah so by this time the topic of suicide had already been brought up to the group because i mean if castration is on the table can you really rule out anything no yeah yeah the thing is too is like once you've castrated yourself you are all in you can't leave you can't go back yeah no that's why i didn't get the management position at jimmy john's because i realized like once i get castrated i have to stay at jimmy john's forever (laughs) um (laughs) only one or two members by the way said that they would refuse to commit suicide and those people left immediately of their own volition which is again something to remember that this took place not in guyana this took place in america in san diego and all of these people were free to leave if they wanted to right they were not stopped they were they were i mean you can make the argument that brainwashing them and making them dependent on you and telling them that if they leave that their failures will all be their fault and that they were wrong about the last several maybe two decades of their life uh, several years of their life and some people that's half their life like some people join this cult when they're like 20 so yeah one guy joined it when he was 19 so by this point he'd be 39 so like yeah yeah it's really more (laughs) never fell in love you never had a family you never had a career and you've given everything to this cult and now they're telling you hey it's ready we're ready to go Mm -hmm. yeah all this preparation was for something right so some people did leave and they some people left even as the the date approached closer where they were like this uh i believe in what you're saying but this plan of suicide is not for me some people straight up just left and they're still alive to this day but 39 members stayed and they were scared but it really it seemed like the only logical option left like if you look at the history of how much they've built this group up over the last two decades it really is the only logical to conclusion to end the group without blaming yourself for everything you've done in your life right So heading into 1997, they had plans to leave in March because that's when the comet would be closest to the Earth. And the members of Heaven's Gate got to work preparing for their final trip. In January, they made patches that read Earth Exit Monasteries. Um, The members of Heaven's Gate hated these patches so much that they forced Herf to go redesign them and make new patches. Good, because Earth Exit Monasteries is terrible. Yeah, Earth Exit Monasteries sounds like the the cutesy name for a bathroom at a church. Yes. Um, That's my butthole, the Earth Exit. Anyway, uh, yeah, after a huge amount of backlash, he went and designed them again, and that's how we got the now infamous heaven's gate away team patches i love how there's more backlash for the patches than the concept of suicide like that's such a weird it's such a weird thing to have this whole culture of like we 
are stepping away from materialism and the things that hold us to this earth. But when I commit my suicide, I want sick ass patches. I don't yeah. want any oh, bullshit sure. patches. They are really sick. They are cool ass patches. And they, they are, are cool. They are directly stolen from Star Trek, by the way. Because yeah. in Star Trek, they called the, vis- the people who visited the planet the away team. In February of 1997, they bought enough fabric to craft 39 identical uniforms, black pants, and black tunics. On March 1st, they bought 39 pairs of identical black Nike decades. The last few days of Heaven's Gate was spent, ironically, enjoying the best parts of human life. They used the rest of their money to take a group trip to Las Vegas, uh, where they took pictures at that casino that looks like a spaceship. The stratosphere? Uh, Yes, the stratosphere. Um, They also went to SeaWorld and the Wild uh, Safari Animal Park. Uh, they watched several movies, including, for some reason, several times, the award-winning British film Secrets and Lies. Weird. Uh, and even their last meal was kind of fun. Together, they went into town and had one last pizza party. Aw, I love pizza. It's sad, but it sounds really fun. Yeah, this is really sad. Like, yeah. it's hard, because you, anytime someone prepares for death, like, I think as much as they're trying to convince themselves that, like, they're going to this next level, they're really afraid that this is their last day. They very much are. They, um, and we'll get into it in a little bit, how how we know that they were afraid and how you can kind of see this. But it's also, like, this is another instance of, like, if you really, truly, honestly, at the deepest part of your being believe in what you're practicing, then you should not be afraid and you should not want to experience like, oh, hey, we're going to leave Earth. We need to leave these things behind because technically doing that shit would um, tie you to the Earth. Yeah, yeah. it would. If it would you go by their belief system. It would be counter or uh, yeah, counterproductive, right. really. But so it's they're doing it because deep down they know everyone knows yeah everyone in the group knows what they're doing is not but they don't want to look it in the eyes exactly they don't want to be honest with themselves like we're all dying and this is it for us yeah exactly and beginning on march 22nd all 39 members of heaven's gate committed suicide in three waves they took a poisonous mixture of barbiturates and applesauce along with a heaping glass of vodka And I mean, um, I'm not trying to be crass or even really funny, but what I didn't realize until I watched the documentary is that when we think of like, when I heard what they took, I thought that they took like the drugs and like it was hidden in some applesauce and then they took like a shot of vodka. They drank a full glass of vodka. Oh, like straight. That's so gross. No ice? No, no ice. Applesauce. (laughs) I hate applesauce. Chocolate pudding. Come on, something. I, well, I really don't like anything of that texture, but this is a whole discussion yeah. for another day. Um, after taking the poison and drinking a full glass of vodka, they were laid down on their bunk and a plastic bag was tied over their heads. As each member died from either an overdose or asphyxiation, they were covered by the remaining members with a deep purple piece of fabric. Because purple was Bonnie Nettles' favorite color. 
Each member wore their custom Heaven's Gate away team uniform, carried $5 in spending money, and a quarter for a phone call home, just like they had any time they left the house before. Herf Applewhite and his closest followers joined the rest of the group on the second day. No one was left to cover them in a purple shroud. In the days leading up to the suicide, the group had filmed each member giving one final goodbye. These are what we call the exit tapes. They were... They were him filming everyone with their check partner, telling everyone what they wanted them to know, basically, before they left. And it's really sad because you see all of these people who are mirroring Herf's way of explaining stuff by saying, like, they're going to say that what we did was suicide, but because the earth is about to be recycled, the real suicide is staying here. So really, by not killing yourself, you're committing suicide. And so what we're doing is the only way out of here. And what they're doing, and it's kind of, I again, I'm not trying to be crass or rude. It is kind of genius for a cult leader. Because what he's doing is he's allowing you to convince yourself yeah to do this because yeah. he's putting a camera in front of you and yes it's supposed to be like your chance to say goodbye but really what everyone's using it for is as a way to finally for the last time convince themselves that yes this is what i want to do and this is the right choice that i'm making well and you also believe that everyone you love and that everyone you know believes this thing yeah and that they're all doing it willingly. Of and course. so instead of being honest about your doubts and having like a real conversation, everyone's just like, we're all doing this. We're all we're all wearing tie dye for tie dye day. We're all actually we're all doing this. We're all doing it. The mass suicide in Rancho Santa Fe was the biggest mass suicide on American soil. And it was also effectively the end of the group. Some believers who left the group before the exit remain on earth to maintain the group's website and intellectual property. But most of the remaining people who still believe in the group join their fellow classmates later by committing suicide throughout the end of 1997. This is the end of the group's history. And as one member put it in their exit video, class is over. In March of 1997, Heaven's Gate was closed forever. And that is the end of our series on Heaven's Gate. Yeah, it's hard to make air horns after that one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's really upsetting. Yeah. They're, um, this ending is one of the most bummer endings that we've ever had to do. It's just, it's, it's really difficult because especially because these people chose to do this thing and again you can make the argument that like sure they chose but they were convinced through brainwashing um but at the end in some way like all of these people joined the cult because they were hurting because yeah. they were emotionally hurting and that same like emotional fear or like those feelings that you feel of depression or sadness or whatever that led them to the group also helped them justify their their suicide or their end mm -hmm. you know so it's it's really sad because it's just 39 very hurting people who left the world without really knowing like how much the people they left behind cared about them 
Yeah. 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 Um sorry it's okay i'm not i'm not upset at all in any capacity ever i think it's very understandable yeah Yeah. it'd be it'd be weirder if you had cried during the meaty kool-aid part (laughs) (laughs) um but right now your eyes are just having a major sensual slippage (laughs) in order to kind of try and cheer you guys up just a little bit uh i wanted to cover the history of the official sneaker choice of heaven's gate (laughs) oh boy there so okay there's a few stories about how the group got their shoes um the most famous one was that a san diego nike rep was fresh out of training and when he was approached by a strange bug-eyed old man uh the old man told him that he was looking for 39 pairs of shoes that were for his quote kind of a basketball team yeah is this for a basketball team yeah kind of yeah kind of yeah yeah my basketball team is about to be recycled yeah and that salesman was tony kansas (laughs) (laughs) so the salesman sold him 39 pairs of nike decades and then a few weeks later saw the bug-eyed man on tv and realized what he had done and while in court he met the insurance salesman who sold the group 39 policies of alien abduction insurance. That's not a real thing. I mean, it's so upsetting. It is a real thing, by the way. What? Yeah, that's real. That's a real thing. Why do we have this? Because you can sell an insurance for pretty much anything, I think. Um, America's dumb. Yeah. Uh... And then they all they also met, and then those two people came together and met um, the waitress that had waited on them during their last meal. And together, the three of these people came up with the saying, if you see something, say something. And then they sold that to an ad agency to be used in the New York subways. Obviously, if you haven't been able to tell by now, there's a lot of contradictions that point to the story not being true. Um but for some reason that is the most common story i found i found that story in so many different places across the internet what really happened was herf applewhite went shopping at a local store like he had for every item of clothing he had ever owned including the communal underwear and he asked what options there were if he needed to buy 39 identical pairs of shoes in different sizes and he was given a few options so the two close seconds were the nike cortez shoes the official shoe of the Torres family. And <laughs> it's actually on a Torres crest with a can of Bud Light. Yeah. Oh, my God. Here is, uh, real quick, here is a song that I listened to so many times throughout my childhood by a rapper named Little Rob. I'll cut it in, too. Gotta keep our heads up and keep on walking. No, these Cortez shoes know the hard times that we've been through. All the crazy things that we used to do just to get by walking. It's an entire song about the importance of Cortez shoes to the Chicano culture. Wow, I have no idea how Lil Rob didn't get more famous. <laughs> He's so famous to a very select part of the country. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, that's what makes it so funny is the official shoe of Heaven's Gate almost was 
the official shoe of the Chicano culture. Um, the other choice that they almost went with was the very new, um, at the time, Nike Air Maxes. Ugh. So that could have ruined basketball sco- uh, basketball sponsorships forever. Yeah, yeah. Instead, um, they went with the less flashy and less expensive 1993 Nike Decades, which he bought 40 pairs of for the price of $548.45. That's a steal. That is yeah. a good deal. The man grew up shopping at TJ Maxx's, all right? He knows a deal. Uh, reportedly, I can't confirm this, but reportedly he also got these from a Payless, so... I don't know if that's true or not. Again, it might just be part of the lie. Um, And after the news broke about the Colts exit, Nike took all of the remaining unsold pairs of shoes off the shelves and discontinued the shoe forever. I wonder why. Yeah, they didn't. They super did not want to be associated with um, a cult that had committed suicide, especially with their shoes. The slogan. Just, Just do, do it. it. <laughs> yeah. Nike has made sure to never, ever reference the Heaven's Gate suicides. Although, they got sort of close one time in 2008 with the release of skateboarder Todd Jordan. Oh, yeah. If you're named Jordan, you just get a shoe by Nike, by the <laughs> way. Todd Jordan's signature Nike SB Dunks that were black, white, and Heaven's Gate purple. Although, when Todd told a reporter that the Colt had been his muse while designing the shoes, production was scrapped almost immediately, and the shoes do not exist. They never made them. They, on- they only had them in um, a sample that, that uh, I assume Todd Jordan owns. Uh, although, you can go on Nike's website and create the SB Dunks in Heaven's Gate color. So, you can make them yourself. Today, the shoes, the Nike Decades, remain a hot commodity for sneakerheads and true crime fans alike. One pair in a size 12 was even sold for the hilarious price of $6,660. Wow. Yeah. There is currently a pair of Nike Decades on eBay in my size, in size 14, and they are $450. And they are in mint condition, and I want them so bad. I want them so bad. I want they're the only thing I've ever wanted. No one that's deserved these true. shoes more that's, than me. That's not true. That's I remember true. the Tony Alamo episode. Yeah, I wanted the jacket too. I want to make a whole cult outfit. I want to get a black tunic and put a patch on it and wear the shoes out, and then have somebody be like, "Hey, are those the cult shoes?" And be like, "You're fucking right, they are." <laughs> No you want one. Some of my, you want some of my applesauce? No, no one that doesn't listen to this podcast will ever recognize that this is cult wear. That's not true. Sneakerheads will, and who respect whose respect do you need more than, than people who love to spend thousands of dollars on sneakers? No, they're the no. epitome of maturity. I want the shoes. If you buy me the shoes, I'll give you my firstborn child. You uh, cannot do that. No. I'm putting that out there in the world. If you buy me the shoes, I will give you my child. You can give them the rotisserie chicken. Sure. Okay. What? What does that even Remember mean? Remember that episode yeah, where you talked about how oh, our baby would be yeah, a rotisserie yeah, yeah, chicken? Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. The quiverful episode. I actually I brought that up literally last night to Jake because we went to Zanku. <laughs> 
If you buy me the shoes, I'll uh, give you a rotisserie chicken and I'll sign it. <laughs> like I discovered the <laughs> All of these comment. things are unappealing. You should not spend money on those. <laughs> All right. This has been a, this has been a real fun episode. Um, if you want to... If you want to buy me a pair of overpriced, expensive shoes that I will wear out once every year. Don't uh, do it. Please then don't do it. you should don't. hit me up on social media. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. I also got a bunch of shows coming up. You can find those show dates at MondoDoesStuff.com. Don't encourage him. Do it. <laughs> if you want to send me... Hey everybody, it's Andrea. If you want to send Armando some Heaven's Gate shoes, hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to send me your uh, self-made images of clothing that you've made yourself, oh, because they, they made, made their, their own, own clothes. clothes. Yeah, or yeah. your one-size-fits-all clothing, or your best find from a TJ Maxx. Oh yes. Okay. Send me your fashion finds from TJ Maxx. Show me your outfits. Send them to all the things at Sundress Comic. Or check out my art, including the sweet prayer candles we just made on all the things at Andrea Gazetta. Oh, yeah. Made those prayer candles. I have a fucking... There's so many boxes I have my candles. house. Our house looks like a fucking FedEx shipping center right we now. We look like we're moving, but we're not. It's just candles and merch. No, we have so much new merch that we made, including I have a big-ass box of 30 candles, and now I'm finding out I might have to buy more. Um... Anyway, I'm sorry. I want I want to be part of a reality TV series that's called Running a Small Business Out of Your Studio Apartment <laughs> with Two Adults and a Dog. We look like hoarders. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, it was like, yeah, I remember when I had all my NACA stuff at my apartment, I looked like a full-blown hoarder. Um, I'm going to say, if you have delicious meat Kool-Aid recipes, oh, oh God. God, send them my way. You can send them to... At Rampage Wesley on Instagram or at Page Wesley on Twitter. Yeah, and if you like the show and you want to, I don't know, buy the show some size fourteen decade uh, Nike decades. Um, no, Paige and I say no. <laughs> don't do that. Don't encourage him. You're Indulge me. What? No. Wearing wearing murder shoes. No, they're not murder shoes. They're coercion shoes at best. Oh. I, and I say this as someone who had murder chicken last night. <laughs> I'm going to own the shoes one way or another. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to send it to us, uh, go ahead and do that on Instagram at uh, Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us that confirmation email to coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. <laughs> And you can ship them, of course, to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. There are better things to do with your money. That Don't was do the it. most begrudging yes and I've ever seen in my entire life. Where you went, oh, I can't believe I'm fucking doing this. If you want to ship it to us. <laughs> um, yeah, we... Uh, we love you. If you want to check out um, our Patreon, if you want to check out our Patreon, oh, somebody put a post on uh, Facebook, and I'll probably make a, a post on the Facebook group where they said uh, every week we ask for nonsensical items like yeah. four hundred and fifty. Oh, oh they want us to start an Amazon list. They want us to start an Amazon list, but I'm gonna be completely honest with you. The best way to do that 
is through our Patreon. Yeah. I know that it sounds whack. Because uh, there would only be like like five very expensive things on that list yeah. and then a bunch of just nonsense. Yeah. The Patreon is how we're saving up money. And if, if the Patreon, if monthly donations are not um, a feasible option for you, then uh, merchandise, a one-time uh, purchase of the merchandise that we have, which that includes helps us out a lot. T-shirts, yeah. stickers. Right now, we have the Om Shinrikyo posters, which are dope as fuck. We should um, get, be getting those prayer candles in there real soon. We're gonna have those yeah. prayer candles up for sale. Uh, pitcher man pins. I love the pitcher man pin. It's my favorite. Yeah, enamel. They're we really have cool. soft enamel pins that are fucking dope as hell. Um, and some other merch that'll be coming soon too. So it's it's uh, these are the best ways to help support us because that way we can pool all of our money together and um, kind of buy the stuff that we need because otherwise it's just gonna be a bunch of like Paige said like five really expensive items and then like the occasional like giant gummy worm that i add <laughs> yeah, onto it. a bunch of wrap snacks and fake yeah you're gonna see yeah. when armando eats the pot brownie and goes on <laughs> amazon well and and to more of a degree a lot of the stuff that we need is not available on amazon Works. Yeah, sense. Exactly. like a lot of it's the, sound equipment we need to order t-shirts from a specific company that we have in mind so like all of most of our expenses are like initial costs for merch or sound equipment or, or kind of like travel costs for live shows yeah. and a lot of that stuff is not easily listable but I will I'll make a list of wrap snacks and Fago flavors <laughs> if people want that that's fine yeah. you can always you're and again, welcome to send them <laughs> you can send us anything including but not limited to things that you buy or things that you make you we can, love getting art I love yeah. art oh my god the eye patches are amazing I got that sweet Pokemon book all yeah. these things make me so happy yeah. and we really appreciate the fact that you guys listen and care and that you like make stuff like we love that it's super yeah. cool yeah I'm like a mom like you can buy me something but like that handmade card though yeah I know, I That's love it. Mm-hmm. It makes me so happy. Anyway, if you want to donate to our Patreon and see the list of uh, rewards that you can get, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast for more information on that and our live show that's happening august 27th august 27th geeky tees in burbank geeky tees and games in burbank california please come please Please. Please do come um it's going to be at 7 30 p.m it's going to be great it's going to also be the celebration of our two-year potiversary cake and shit yeah tell your friends come out pet some cats uh listen to some Horrible, horrible crimes. Very many crimes. Uh, if, because I know I've heard from a bunch of you that are coming but have not bought tickets yet, buy them ahead of time. Save yourself some money. Also, it gives us a head count for cake, which yeah. we need. Yes. That is key. Please buy helpful. your tickets uh, as soon as possible. I was also going to say earlier, uh, I know that like the Patreon is expensive and that seems like a lot, but $5 a month gets you sweet bonus content it's a pretty low cost yeah i belong to several five dollar patreons that i forgot about but still support because i think that they're good things that should exist and it doesn't really do me a lot of harm so yeah and a lot of the uh the speculation zone bonus episodes that we have coming up uh the one with katie french that we released last week so much fun i've got a real fun one coming up oh yeah they're great. They're, like We have a couple episodes like that that are conversational and learning about people's backgrounds and that stuff is super interesting. But we also have some episodes that are straight up just like mini versions of our normal episodes. Right. But, and with, sometimes 
the same length as our <laughs> yeah, normal yeah. episode. So far, they've mostly been the same length. But they're just wilder things that it's like, well, this isn't specifically a cult, but it's cult adjacent, or yeah. like yeah. it's about a specific moment of a cult that we just couldn't fit into a regular episode, and they're really interesting and really fun. They're most of the time, it's because we don't have to talk about the sad parts. We can only talk yeah. about the fun parts. It's so much goofier, so much fun. Uh, it's a it's a real blast. This one is getting a little long winded. Um, Sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. I wasn't talking about. That. I wasn't oh. pointing at Andre. <laughs> this one's getting a little long winded. I meant this episode. So yeah, for for all the information on all of this stuff, live shows, Patreons, uh, merch, all that good shit, you can go to cultpodcastshow.com. And I think I'm gonna say. Don't drink the Kool-Aid unless it has meat in it. Oh, God. God. But mainly just don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. I'm going to buy the shoes right now. Get. Stop it. I'm buying the shoes. No. No. The shoes.